Praise the Lord, everyone. Thank you so much for your love offering and uh, the gift. I tell you, it's impossible for my wife and I to live without people who give. It's literally an impossibility. And so thank you. May God multiply that back to you. What a gift to be here. Amen. So appreciate Pastor Pinnock and uh, all that's going to transpire in the days ahead. The blessing of God upon the people and the church of God. God is so good. Exodus chapter number three, everybody. Exodus chapter number three. Tonight, Exodus chapter number three. We'll begin in verse number one. <clears throat> Exodus three and verse number one. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came the horror of the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Life without shoes. Father, we thank you tonight, God, for the truth of your word and Thank you for the privilege that we have to gather together. God, thank you for your presence, which undoubtedly all can feel. Father, I am asking even now, God, for grace to minister. God, that you would give us truths that our lives can be built by. God, you said the entrance of your word gives your servants light. God, let it be tonight that your word provides so much insight gives direction. Let it be a lamp and light. I give you praise. Help me to minister as I ought. God, please give revelation. Give revelation to every one of us. Help us in Jesus' name. Come on, say amen, everyone. Life without shoes. Let me talk to you first. Where God meets man. Verse 1 of our text, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. This is the day that was in the life of Moses that began like every other day in the life of Moses. It is no different then last week, it is no different than last year, Moses had been doing what Moses is doing right now for the past 40 years. Matter of fact, another translation of the Bible says it like this. One day, while Moses was tending the flock. One day. The idea is that he has been doing this same thing in the same place, for many years. 
that in essence, this is not something that is out of the ordinary. This is not something that has, you know, flashes in the sky that this is going to be a different day. In essence, that in the midst of the daily affairs of life, God showed up in the burning bush. Moses simply turns aside at this incredible sight. He sees this. He wonders to himself. That draws some kind of movement within him that he is now compelled to go toward this. And as soon as Moses turned aside and took steps toward that place, God, Moses, Moses, Right here, everything changes. God says, Moses, remove your shoes. That Moses has been here before. He has possibly walked by that same bush before. He has been in this same desert, living and working and walking and doing all the 40 years worth. But today... God says, remove your shoes. You know what this says? I need you to lock in with me. Come on, look up here. You know what that says? That says this. The ground that was normal yesterday has become holy today. The ground that was just ground that you could just do whatever you want. Hey, that was yesterday. But that same ground today is holy. Have you ever had a moment like this? Have you ever had a moment where you are doing what you have always been doing? Nothing out of the ordinary. You're going where you have always gone. You're living how you have always lived. And then all of a sudden, God invades your space where you are then overwhelmed by the majesty of God. Jacob had a moment like this. The Bible says Jacob is doing what Jacob has been doing. He is running. And as he is running, he lays his head on a rock. And all of a sudden, he lifts his eyes in a vision, if you would, and sees the heavens open, a ladder come down, angels of God ascending and descending upon this. And he awakens and says, God is in this place. Called it the house of God, Bethel. Joshua had a moment like this. You can read this in Joshua chapter 5. He is looking at Jericho and he is pacing back and forth as he's trying to figure out as the commander how he's going to overcome this incredible situation. And as he's going by, the Bible says he notices a man off in the distance. And the man has a sword drawn and he walks up to him like a bad commander and says, Hey, are you for us or against us? And the commander says, No. I am the commander of the Lord's army. And immediately, listen what the word of God says in Joshua 5. I'm just going to skip down a bit. It says, so he said, but no, as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and says, what does my Lord have to say to the servant? You know what he said to the servant? He says, take 
your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. So Joshua did so. Wait, he's just been pacing back and forth here. But hey, God, poosh, shows up and ain't holy. Ain't no regular ground no more. This is holy. This ground is sacred. Listen to me, please. Where God meets with man, that ground that used to be common has become sacred. And people that do not understand this, people that refuse to comprehend are those that never frequent the altar. They are never then changed from glory to glory. The common in their life remains common. These are those that will come to church and leave. They'll come into the sacred presence of God, hear the word of God, feel the presence, and can leave as though it was nothing. They never, ever come in and have these divine aha moments where God steps into the mundane routine of life and rearranges their fixed furniture. Hello, somebody. Here's Gideon. He is threshing wheat. Why is he threatened? They're, they're, they're impoverished. They are in bondage to the Midianites. And they're ravishing them. They're taking everything that they own. And the Bible says Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. That don't even sound right. But that's where he's at. This is a violent task. And as he's violently threshing this wheat, trying to supply some food for his family, God shows up. Y'all ain't getting that. In the middle of this no place uh, where no one is hiding from the adversary, um, he is doing the best that he can. And in this arena, God steps in and calls this man to lead uh, the children of Israel out of the bondage of those very people he is hiding from. Stepped right in. Changed the trajectory of this boy's life. Zacharias. Here he is doing what he always did. He is serving in the temple. Then all of the sudden, the Bible says God showed up in that service, doing what they've always been doing. God showed up in the midst of the duties that he has been doing and says, Elizabeth is going to be pregnant. Entrance of John the Baptist, New Testament begins, and poof, an entire generation where we're living in right now, the, the time of the Lord. Mary, doing what she typically does. And all of a sudden, the angel of God comes and pronounces, listen, you're going to be overshadowed with the Almighty, and from your womb is going to come the Savior of the universe. Doing what she'd always been. All of a sudden, God stepped in, be it unto me according to thy word, and boom, everything changes. Paul traveled hundreds of times down that old dusty road to Damascus. But this time, if you read the scripture in Acts 9, the Bible says this time heaven opened and God came down. And when God came down, the Bible says, and all of a sudden a light shined from heaven. In other words, he has been doing this for a while. 
But now God showed up, and when God showed up, he opened not just this man's eyes to the wonder of God, but he opened to you and I 14 books of the New Testament. Hello, somebody. The entire New Testament, if you would, is birthed through the missionary efforts of a man that had an aha moment with God. Talking about the in, in the normalcy of everyday living. Here comes God. When these moments occur, we are overwhelmed by his presence. We're overwhelmed. Think about John, the apostle on the island, uh, penal island, if I would, or if you would, of Patmos. Here he is, cast out. Here he is, imprisoned. Here he is under hard labor, and Jesus comes to him on that island in a vision. Revelation 1.10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a voice as of a trumpet. Verse 12, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and I, when I saw him, it says in verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Our text. Moses, remove your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. So let me talk to you secondly about why remove the shoe. Adam Clark writes this in his commentary. The natives of Bengal never go into their own houses with their shoes on, nor into the houses of others. But they always leave their shoes at the door. It would be a great affront not to attend to this mark of respect when visiting. And to enter a temple without pulling off the shoes would be an unpardonable offense. In Asian or Oriental culture, Samoan culture, they remove their shoes before entering their house. They don't want the filth. They don't want the dirt, the places that have been trod throughout the course of the day to be brought into the place where they live. So remove your shoes because we live here. Take your shoes off because we'll have to live with the residue when you leave. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 5. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. One commentator, this passage is almost conclusive against the assumption that the place was previously a sanctuary, for Moses knew nothing of its holiness after 40 years being spent in the desert. It became holy by the presence of a holy God. How many believe God is here? God is here. God, you come where you're wanted. I pray that our God come for we want you here. You believe God is here. And because of this, this place is sanctified. This place is set apart. Not just because we have chairs and a pulpit and drums and, and it looks like, no, no, no. It's holy. 
even though it used to be something else besides a church. I mean, I preach all over the place. And so I, sometimes I'm preaching in movie theaters. Used to be a movie theater. Now it's a church. I'll be preaching. Um, and, and, and when I was in London, they, they'll, make a build, they'll, they'll make a church out of anything. So you, you'll be preaching almost anywhere. We'll be in storefronts. My church, when I was uh, in uh, Clarksville, um, we had an old Harley Davidson shop. It used to be a motorcycle shop. We converted uh, into a church. It doesn't matter what it used to be. When God comes in, it is now holy. Once this is known, that knowledge then demands that there be a removal from things within us that we know are not holy. That are dirty. Think about this. Moses is captured by that bush. He takes steps up toward this place and immediately God says, remove your shoes. You're on holy ground. This strikes me. I say it again because it's the same ground. This ground is holy. It's the same dirt right here as it was when I was right there. It's the same dirt. But God said, no. Remove your shoes. In essence, I want nothing from the places that you have trod, the places you have walked, the ground you have been living on before, literally littering the ground where I am standing and speaking with you. I want none of the dirt from your home. I want none of the dirt from the 40 years of your wanderings. I want none of the dirt from the arenas um, of sinful disobedience. No, Moses, um, before we go any further, remove um, your shoes. Can I speak to you tonight? I am shocked. I am shocked um, at the amount of men and women that think um, that they are somehow feel or free um, to walk um, in the shoes that they're walking and somehow um, they're going to walk into heaven um, with those shoes on that they know are not right. You're, you're in here. Oh, I'm going to preach this. Yeah. I'm going to let that sit there for a minute. You are in here and you know it. Listen, Moses couldn't stand in front of a bush in the desert with shoes on. But there are people that will be able to keep their shoes on that carried them into all manner of ungodliness, carried them into adultery, carried them into fornication, and they'll... Serious? They'll be able to keep those shoes on that carried them in the bars, in the nightclubs. Serious? And I know we're like, come on, preacher. I don't do them things. Keep them shoes on that carry you into the gossip that you constantly speak. Carry you into the bad attitudes that you have. Carry you into the bigotry that you carry. Oh, preach that preacher. Mm-hmm. Carry you in to a divisive spirit that you know ain't right, but you have it and mean spirit. And God's not going to say to you or say to me, hey, you need to remove that. Serious? Folks, he's holy. 
God is holy. And when the man or the woman captures this revelation that he is holy, that holiness that we have captured demands a response from us. When that happens, when you capture this, you personally begin to remove things from your life that you know you're arrested. You are convicted in your own being. It's not right. You, in and of yourself, begin getting that out of your life. You know, no one had to tell me to stop smoking. Pastor Dillon didn't say, oh, Tony, you know you're going to go to hell if you're smoking them cigarettes. No, he didn't say, say nothing. Why? Because God stepped in. And no one had to tell me to get rid of my, no one had to tell me to dump all the music and junk that I was listening to. No one had to tell. Why? Because God entered in. I had a personal encounter with a holy God, and he began telling me that, you know what, you can't live for me and walk with me and walk with that at the same time. You can't. You're going to have to stop this. You have to stop that. You have to lay that to the side. So you're going to have to remove those shoes. You know, folks, we need to highlight these moments where we have met with God in the daily chores of life. These moments right here change us. Moses, remove your shoes. Let's see today. People say, why? Why I got to remove my shoes? I don't like people looking at my feet. Trust me, we don't look at your feet either. All feet are ugly and they usually stink. Why I got to remove my shoes? I don't need to, I don't need to remove my shoes to serve God. The Bible say where two or three are gathered. Hey, don't judge me because I got my shoes on. And by their life with shoes on, they trample on the ground that God just said is holy. Moses, remove your shoes. Why don't people remove their shoes? Two reasons. There's a bunch of them, but there are two so I can keep this sermon within a two-hour span. There are two. Number one is pride. Pride. Removing of the shoe is a position of humility before the Lord. Biblically, slaves often remove their shoes before approaching their master. Pride resists being slave-like. Absalom steals the kingdom. You know the story. I won't linger. He usurps his father, King David. He has been swaying the hearts of the people, and he steals it from underneath them. And the Bible says David is fleeing, and as he's fleeing, 2 Samuel 15, 30, look what it says. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and, and wept as he went up. He had his head covered and went barefoot. That doesn't mean that he forgot his shoes. That's making a statement. 
And I believe that's written in scripture for you and you and I. The king removed his shoes. And as he's going, he is totally humbled before God. It is a sign of reverence. It is a sign of humility. Moses, remove your shoes. And we get the picture that he does it immediately, removes his shoes. You say, how do we get that picture? Because God continues speaking to him. Now, I'm a father. If I told my son, I say, hey, go take care of that. And if I see he's just still standing there and he's just still standing there, he ain't doing nothing that I just told him. I'm not going to, well, you know, next week we're going to go do this and then we're going to go camping next year. And you know what? I'm going to teach you how to drive. And, you know, I ain't going to have nothing else to say to him until you do what I said. Talk to me, somebody. We ain't got nothing further to say until you do what I told you to do. Are you with me? So immediately you get the idea that Moses began taking his shoes off because God continues speaking with him. Let me tell you something. God will stop speaking to the man or the woman that will not reverence him. Mm-hmm. He'll stop speaking. We'll have nothing further to say until you and I obey. Leonard Ravenhill said the most difficult page in the entirety of the word of God is the white page between Malachi and Matthew. He said because that page represents 400 years where God says, I'm, ti- I'm tired and I'm not talking to you anymore. Jesus, why do you call me Lord and do not do the things that I say? You know, people today, God is speaking to me. But they never remove their shoes. There's no removal of things that they know. And, and listen, it's not just you. In one moment, it's just you. You know, but sooner or later, that becomes your character and there's a resistance. And then people begin to know that there's things in your life that are unholy, just as you know it. Jameson Fawcett Brown writes, the removal of the shoe is a confession of personal defilement and conscious unworthiness to stand in the presence of unspotted holiness. We're conscious of this. How can we stand there with our shoes on? So pulling off the shoes, one person says, was therefore an emblem of laying aside the pollutions contracted by walking uh, in the way of sin. Let those who name the Lord Jesus Christ depart from iniquity. You know, to depart from, you have to first recognize I've walked in. And pride resists that. The second reason people will not remove their shoes is for comfort. Comfort. Shoes are made to make our path comfortable. They shield us from the pain of the road. I'm very aware as a minister, because I first ministered to Tony, I am very aware, aware that there are topics that immediately make us uncomfortable. There are topics that immediate doesn't matter who you are. I know some folks, we are like really holier than thou. We have been there, brother. <laughs> Sometimes I'll preach a sermon, and when I'm done, people will come up and say, well, brother, you could have used this scripture, and you could have used that scripture. Well, I didn't. 
Did you hear anything else I said? So I understand that, well, if there's some you've already walked and you, are, you know, okay, I get it. There are some topics that really arrest us. Can we be honest? One of them is what I was feeling I was going to minister on until God said no, and that was prayer. You say prayer, and we all know we can do more. It's fasting. How many just love to fast? It's giving. Whether it's resources, time, effort. Come on, we all know we can give more. How about this word, submission? See, some of the women, you just cringe. I'm not even talking about women. I'm just saying. In, in essence, we all need to learn to be submitted to the Lord. Submission in every, and we know, come on. How about Christ-likeness, putting ourselves next to Christ and saying, oh, God, I'm undone, right? We are arrested with our lack. It makes us uncomfortable. You know, folks, please listen to what I'm trying to say. The thought of holiness makes us uncomfortable. People would rather be comfortable than holy. Isaiah was undone in the presence of God undone. Why? Because his unholiness was exposed in the presence of a holy God, and that made him uncomfortable. Folks, it is uncomfortable when God peels things back, and now we are seeing as God's, it's not comfortable. Moses, remove your shoes, but God, the ground is going to be very uncomfortable. It's going to be very harsh, on an extremely sensitive arena of man. The sole of your foot. This is where all of gravity now is going to play a role in the affairs of your life. It is going to play a role in the pain that you're going to have in life. If I remove my shoe, whatever is under me, all of my weight plus gravity, I am going to feel it in every arena. Shoes remind us of self-will. It reminds us of our own hurrying in and hurrying out and scurrying about. It causes us to, to think we put our shoe, we can just run, we can just do what we want to do. But when you remove your shoe, remove your shoe and try and run outside. Remove your shoe, even though you might think you remember how your ground was. Um, listen, remove your shoe and try and run. No, no, no. You'll run. You'll be able to go. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now you're going to begin looking around. You're going to be, wait, wait, wait. Somebody could have dropped something and you could now step. And it don't matter if you did it accidentally. All of the weight of your life is now on that object in a very sensitive area of your life. And hey, now you're going to be thinking about where you're walking. You're not just going to run out like you used to when you had your shoes on. No, you removed them, remember? Now you have to consider where you're going to put your foot down. Ephesians 5, verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. You're going to have to trust God to permit him to touch sensitive, tender areas. Have to learn to walk by faith. And I'm telling you, folks, that is not easy. 
It's not easy. It's not comfortable to walk by faith. God taught Paul this early, blinded that boy. Fell off that horse, had scales on his eyes, needed someone to lean or to, to walk him about. He's used to doing it himself, but nah, not anymore. He's someone else is gonna have to go. I'm telling you folks, that is not a comfortable place to be when you don't have shoes on and you have to walk up by faith. Gonna have to trust God in some tender areas. Moses, remove your shoes. Let me close. With a life without shoes. First Peter chapter number one and verse 15 says, but as he who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I. I am holy. That we say not just that God is in this building or God has stepped into this facility or that this place has become a church house. No. We say, God, you live here. God, you have taken residence inside this man. And if this is the case and we're honest, then our lives should follow the same pattern that I'm speaking. How can the dirt in the desert be more sacred than you? How can the dirt in the desert be more sacred than your life. How? Second Corinthians speaks to you and I. If God tells Moses, remove your shoes because the ground there is holy, how much more our lives? Second Corinthians 6, 16, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. The temple of the, the same thing that we would say of the church is of you and I. Paul said that is the hope of glory. Christ in us, in you, in me. This is the hope of, that we used to be as base and commonplace as the desert floor. But Jesus came. And he met with us and we had a moment with God. And that moment we had with God changed everything just like Moses. As unholy as the ground of our lives ever was, it became holy. The moment we turned aside to the Lord and the moment we responded to the living God, that moment your life as unholy, as wretched, as dark, as dirty as the desert for as it used to be right then, right then it became holy. But the first charge, you want the law of first mention? You want to go into some theological discussion? This is the first time that we ever know God speaking to Moses. It's the first conversation right here. And God wasted no time. Moses, Moses, when he saw that he turned aside. Speaks volumes to me just as an offshoot that obviously maybe God had been trying through the years, but he saw this got him. He saw he turned aside. Moses, 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 immediately. Here I am. God, 
remove your shoes. He didn't say, well, you know, you sit there for a little while and then, you know, best, best in my presence. No, no, no. Remove your shoes. The word of God teaches that there is a generation that treats the sacred with contempt. And I truly believe we are there right now. I believe that with everything in me. We're a time where people are walking all over the sacred things and feel nothing. They feel nothing. Can I just ask as I dwindle this down, are you walking on the sacred with your shoes on? You know, the soil at the foot of the cross soaked up the precious blood that spilled from the body that was broken for us. And even the centurion standing there had to lower his head. Had to remove his shoes, if you would, and say, what have we done? Yet in the Western church, there's everything to make people feel so cozy and comfy. They refuse to minister on conviction. There is no challenge to live clean, no judgment on sin. Talent is displayed above character. Unsurrendered and uncrucified men and women are leading other people in all kinds of ministries. I was in Utah, and the preacher said, have you heard this? I said, some group, some guy, massive Christian artist. I don't listen to it, so I wouldn't know. And he said, you have? I said, no, no. He said, he's this guy, that guy, and he's, you know, these songs. Oh, yeah, I heard that song before. He said, yeah, yeah, listen to what he said. And he showed me this little video clip of this guy telling everybody all the men should paint their nails. He's leading a bunch of young folks. And all these young folks are hearing this guy. And this guy's got each nail painted different. Serious? These are those that have knowledge of the very thing and the very text I'm speaking of. These would be those that say, I am serving. I am loving. I am worshiping. I'm trusting God. Yet Moses removed his shoes. Can I say something? Listen, God is going to deal with Moses' issues and uh, tender areas of life. He's going to. He's going he's gonna to have to. Moses had failure. He's 40 years in the running. God's going to have to minister to that. Moses in loneliness. He has no friends. He's got no family. He's isolated. He's unequally yoked now. God's going to have to deal with this. He's married to someone who is not with the same convictions. And because of that, he's going to have to deal with his compromise. What compromise? He refused to circumcise his own son. He's going to have to deal with the fear that he harbored for 40 years. You say, what fear? This is Moses. No, Moses had incredible fear. And that's what kept him in the wilderness for 40 years, for the fear of facing Moses. It wasn't until he decided to go that God says, oh, yeah, by the way, <laughs> Pharaoh is dead. He will have to minister to these very sensitive areas. But he will not do it with a shoe separating them. You know, some folks won't let God speak to him. I tell you, a half inch is going to send them to hell.
Moses, remove your shoes. You know, I wonder if there would have ever been a Moses. I wonder tonight if there would have ever been a restoration for him if he did not remove his shoes. You know what? What if he kept the shoes on? You know what wouldn't have changed? What wouldn't have changed would have been the reality that he met with God. What wouldn't have changed would have been the reality that he heard God calling him Moses. Moses, that's a surety. He heard it. He stepped. He heard God. But the outcome of that meeting surely would have changed. What about us tonight? Many have a genuine meeting with God, but never change. We go to church, go to revivals, go to conferences, go to mission rallies, men's discipleship, pioneer rallies, marriage retreats. We never change. Why? How can this be? Could it be? that We want to live our life with our shoes on when God says, no, remove your shoes. The arenas of our life that God yearns, that God, you just rem and watch what God does. We need to live our lives with the thought, God, you live here. Let's live our lives barefoot for Jesus. Let's live our life without shoes. I want nothing separating me from you, God. Nothing. I was preaching this in Toowoomba, Australia. Had a visitor come in. I was preaching it. A new lady came in. And as I'm preaching, I got to this part. She took off her boots. <laughs> You're missing what I'm saying. Let's live barefoot for Jesus. God, you have all of me, even the tender area right here. Let nothing separate you from God. He's holy. Do the best that you can to respond to God. As the days begin progressing forward, all that we know and have learned of God, I charge you before God. You know arenas of your life that you've got to lay before. I am charging you before God. Don't ignore it. Just remove your shoes. Bow your heads. Close your eyes with me. Oh, God. Father, thank you tonight. God, thank you. Moses, the man of God, one whom God charged, God called. God used so mightily. Here he is. All of the failures, everything. It's now in his mind, it's been subdued. It's been pushed down. But God meets with him right there. And God rekindles. Every long 40 years back, here's a man who thought in himself, I'm going to be the deliverer. There was a failure and he ran in 40 years. He has dumped that behind him. And God now is touching these sensitive 
areas of his life. He wouldn't even have had this conversation with him if he didn't remove his shoes. And this all began when God invaded his life. When God just, he stepped aside and God just came down. And all of the sudden, everything in Moses' life is different. I'm telling you, God wants to give this moment to many people tonight. You say, I need God. There's, I'm running. I've been running from things in my life. My son backslid. He was running and running and running and running. I told him one day, you're going to get tired of running. God's going to get you. You can't keep living like you're living. He got tired one day and he called me up and said, Dad, I'm coming home. And I am forever grateful for God not, not uh, uh, chasing or not uh, uh, ceasing to chase him down, causing him to be like the deer that's always on the run. God caught him. I thank God that the prodigal son came home. You say, I need God to forgive me. I say, just raise your hand because he reads the heart of man and he sees, he knows, God comprehends. God reads the algorithm. He gets it. You say, I don't have the words. Just say, I need God to forgive me. And I'm telling you, God will. Would you respond? I'm not asking you to join the church, my brother, my sister. I'm not asking that. I am asking, would you respond to the love of God? God loves you. Just raise your hand, please. Slip it up in the air right now. God bless you, young man. God bless you, sir. Who else? Would there be anyone else? Be honest. I'm not right with God, but I'm going to get my heart right. Raise your hand. I'm backslidden, and I know better, but I'm not doing right. I'm going to get it together. Come on, anyone else? Very quickly, raise your hand. Slip it up and down. Up and down. Very well. You raised your hand, my brother. Would you give me eye contact? Look at me. You raised your hand. Look at me, sir. Give me eye contact, brother. You raised your hand. Yeah, yeah. Are you sincere with God? Yeah? Come on up. Yeah, come on up. I need a brother. Would you come? Pray with him. Someone pray with him. Just kneel down right here, my man. Okay, God bless you. Just kneel down right here. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Father, forgive me of my sins. Come on, church. Come on. Come on. I try not to be that preacher that just preaches something that is flashy. I wrestle. I wrestle all the way up into the last second. Oh, God, I don't want, folks, I don't want anyone wasting their time. I don't want, dear God, I know when I stand to preach, I know that I know that I know, and I know that God is speaking tonight. I know it. And I know that there are many that you'll look at your life and you'll excuse what I'm saying. I know, but I am telling you, you do not, in this hour, you do not want God to pass you by. You do not want to be the one that God says, remove your shoes and you keep them on. You don't want your pride to cause you to be like Herod. The head of John the Baptist, he should have said no, but he kept a straight face, even though he was convicted to the core and didn't want to do it. But his pride wouldn't allow him. Listen, your pride will destroy you. Comfort. No, I'm going to keep my shoes more comfortable. No, no, no. God wants us to be holy and to trust him. We got to trust him and God will work out those arenas of our lives that we are ever bringing before him. Some, you need to grab your wheelbarrow tonight, fill it up with all, all the stuff and bring it to this altar.
I feel the presence of God. I'm telling you, there's going to be liberty. There's going to be, you are going to feel the acceptance of God. You need to stand. Stand with me all over this assembly. Come on, stand with me. This is how we're ending our revival. I know we wanted to shout down. No, we're going to end it on a, a, a serious note. God, I am going to remove these. God wants us holy, folks. We can't make ourselves holy. We respond to God, and God does the sanctifying. But if we will not respond to God, it doesn't happen. And then you stay the same. You come and go and come and go and, and you stay the same. 20 years ago and you're still the same. The same, the same. Yet God has so much greater for us. The ground of your life is holier than the dirt of the desert. And if you believe that, you come to the altar and you kneel down before God with some confession. The altar's open. You come tonight. Come on, come on. And be as brutally honest. I don't care if you have to sit and speak under your breath. You be as brutally honest. Remove your shoe. You know what, God? I've got an attitude problem. You know what, God? I've got this problem. I've got that. You know what, God? Some, you got a lust problem. You know what, God? I'm taking this off. Some, you, you, you step in arenas and you go places you ought not. You know, God, you know what, God? I'm tired of doing this. God, I'm driven up by the lusts of my flesh. Not just the lust of insensual, but just uh, my flesh dictates uh, how I respond, how I act, how I live. And I am not spiritual like I need God. I am removing the shoe. I'm removing the shoe. More of you, oh God. Less of me. God, change me. God, please. That Lord, somehow, some way, I can walk away at every meeting a bit more like you and a bit less like me. That God, I, re I receive a bit more of the pleasure of God in my life, in my mind, and a bit less of me. Oh God, more of you. Hallelujah, Jesus.